She Did It Her Way podcast, episode 123, How to Find the Right Fit for Your Business with Alex Badarf. Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Hey, She Did Her Way listeners. Welcome back to another Tech Talk Thursday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Welcome to the community, the club. I don't know if I would call it a club, but definitely the community. And if you've been listening week in and week out, thank you guys so much as always for tuning in. It truly means a lot to me. If you guys have been listening to the podcast and you enjoy it and you get a lot out of it, one of the things that would be extremely helpful is if you head on to iTunes, if you listen to it through your phone, um, or even you can do it on your desktop or laptop and just leave us a review. Tell us what you like, what you enjoy about the show, because that will help other people find the She Did It Her Way podcast and inspire even more women. Okay, so now for this week's podcast episode, we have Alex Badorf, who is the founder of Zip Fit Denim. Zip Fit Denim helps you find the perfect fit when it comes to jeans. And I got to be honest, before this episode, I really didn't give it that much thought about jeans, but then come to think of it with so many different types of jeans and apparel out there in different sizes and shapes and high-waisted, low-waisted, I don't know, have you. Um, Alex's company is a tech company and they actually found an algorithm and a way to help you find the perfect denim fit through their company, Zip Fit Denim. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about how Zip Fit Denim has changed in the past five years since she started it, and then also analyze the trends of repeat customers and how to think like an entrepreneur in that realm. And then we're also going to talk about Alex's revenue model and how she built that. So definitely stay tuned. Coming up is how to find the right fit for your business with Alex Badorf. Hi, She Did Her Way listeners. We are hanging out with Alex Batdorf, who is the founder of Zip Fit Denim. And I'm super excited to have her on the show today and for her to share her journey. So Alex, welcome to She Did Her Way. Thanks for having me. Hi, ladies. Yes. Well, so as always, tell us what it is that you do, and then we'll start with how you got there. Yeah. So Zip Fit Denim, we're an e-commerce company helping you find your best fitting designer clothing quickly using our technology. And then we do all the free tailoring for you. So our vision is to be able to outfit you from head to toe one day where you can just shop online, find your best fitting clothing, and then it's delivered right to your door and it fits perfectly. Okay. How did you start your company? So we came out of the University of Chicago. Um, I met one of my business partners, Liz, um, while right, right when I came out. She was at Booth. I went to the undergrad. And at the time, I was working in marketing in CPG. And she was doing the New Venture Challenge at Booth, which is like their startup incubator. And she had this idea because she carpooled into the part-time program um, every like weekend and she had male classmates that used to 
just complain about how hard it was to shop because they could never find clothing that fit them, especially with jeans. So she had a mathematics background and was like, well, I could solve this using data. Oh my And gosh. so um, she went and started measuring a ton of jeans, different body types. She was, you know, a magnificent mile, like going into the Macy's and Nordstrom's of the world, measuring all their jeans. Um, and then that's how we, we kind of our first, um, forms of our algorithms, like the base, they are much more mature today, but that's kind of how we started. So she was coming out of the incubator and one of my mentors who is now an investor in Zip that was also a judge on New Venture Challenge and asked her at the end, um, what do you need now? And she was like, well, I need business partners in X, Y, and Z. So he connected us and that's when she decided I actually want to make this a business. So we got connected and five years later, here we are. That's incredible. So just to make sure I understand, you guys have taken all the the measurements and data information about certain genes, their brand, all that information, and then you go out and size people. And based on that information is how you determine the right fit. So two different ways you can do it. So we're technically an e-commerce company. So I would say 50% or a little more of our business is people that purely find us online and are able to shop there and they can leverage our technology and our algorithms um, to find their best fit. So we'll ask some quick questions about, you know, um, if you have jeans that you love that, that fit you well, so you can put that brand and fit within our quick match tool. And then it gives you recommendations that we carry that will fit similar to that. Mm-hmm. And then our other tool is called the fit finder, which is based off your body type and fit preferences. And that will also give you back results based on, let's say you have a smaller waist, but thicker thighs and bigger calves. So, but you also want a skinny jeans. So, it takes all of those different variables and tells you, okay, based on this, these are the types of genes or brands and fits that you should be um, staying within. Um, and we give recommendations based on the brands that we carry. Um, then we have our other component, which is being able to work with our fit experts, which are basically stylists, but they're very particular about getting you into the right fit. And then we look at fashionable options. So for the people that are like, I don't necessarily know what my measurements are, like my inseam or, you know, what waist size I should be. So that's why they're there to help people that are kind of a little, um, that don't have that confidence yet. Um, And they do those measurements the first time and then we save all that information. So whenever you do need to shop again, you don't necessarily have to work with a person. You can just shop online by yourself and all your measurements are there. Yeah, okay, that's really interesting. So so in theory, you find that um, certain brands have different types of style. So like how would you describe Seven for All Mankind? Oh my God, they have so many. <laughs> um, I was actually working on like product upload today and like, and each season they come out with new stuff. So in Seven for All Mankind, and this is where it gets very confusing for consumers because they have multiple skinny jeans, but they're all, they can be called different things. So they have one that's called the skinny, one that's called the high waist skinny. They have their Kimmy straight, their Kimmy, Kimmy oh skinny. Gosh. Like there's just so many. And so when the consumer is shopping, you're thinking, oh, I just want your skinny jean, but doesn't really necessarily know that each of these skinny fits have different names because they each have different specifications. So the 
skinny fit is a mid-rise skinny, whereas the high-waist skinny is a high-rise. And the same goes on for like the like page denim, where they have so many different names for their products because they all mean different things. They all have different measurements. But then you even tear that further down and um, to subcategories because then even if you're in the same fit within the same brand, it can become a little tricky even with materials. So Whoa. even if you're like, I got the Seven for All Mankind skinny and I know this one fits me. However, I just bought this new color and it doesn't fit me at all because maybe you went from being in something that had stretched to 100% cotton. So there's so many variables out there that are so confusing and many retailers don't really train their staff to understand fit. They more so sell fashion. Whereas we start with fit, we take all of those variables and simplify the process so that you don't have to even worry about that. We take that thing out, figure it out for you, and then give you recommendations. Dang, that's incredible. And I mean, I'm just thinking about me when I, like, I need to go get new jeans. And I feel so overwhelmed when I go and look for jeans because I'm like, what is a style? How do I oh even know God. that fits? Like, what do I like? How do I do that? Okay, so you guys, yes. you you started Zip Fit Denim. You're going on like five years what what was it like in the beginning and then what's something that stood out that's changed five years down the road oh my god in the beginning it was we had such an awesome start um you know coming out the gate we had great you know um investors um, we started with friends and family and then we had these projections for what our revenue should be and we were kind of killing it um when we first came out and then we go maybe into our second year we had um basically uh, had one of our lead investors like oh we can't necessarily put in as much as we thought we could and that was such a setback for us because i'm sure other entrepreneurs um, understand that when you lose your lead that mm-hmm. signals to other investors like well, What's something's wrong. wrong here. Yeah. And it wasn't even about the product or what we do. It was just that they didn't have the funds at the time. So it was basically us starting from scratch oh. um, again. And also looking at how can we pivot a little more so that we're more self-sufficient and not necessarily have to lean as much on investors. Um, so we pivoted. And that was actually even though it was a really hard time, you know, that maybe second year, it taught us so much how to be scrappier. And I mean, it paid off because now we're scaling like crazy. So um, coming out, it was awesome. Then we had this kind of pitfall, which was necessary. And then now we're back up and like, you know, seeing hyper growth. So yeah. Yeah. What, um, for what was, um, or what is the revenue model at this point? Like, how do you guys be sustained? And then when sustainable and when you got investors, where did you allocate that money to in your business? Yeah. So, uh, starting with the first thing, when was it, when did we get our first investors or? Yeah. When you got your first round of, um, when, when your investors came in and invested in mm-hmm. what you guys are doing, how did you know where to allocate the funds? And then where did you allocate it to? Yeah. So we are very data driven. Everything always goes back to the data and the numbers. So we always look at channels that are 
producing a good chunk of revenue for the lowest cost. And that's kind of how we determine, okay, this is where we should allocate funds. So a lot of it goes into um, marketing, obviously, like our digital marketing, we decided, okay, we tested some of these platforms, these are producing a great ROI, let's scale back some of these, because maybe this channel is not performing the way we'd like it to be, but this channel is, Mm -hmm. and we can scale it but also our sales team. So when we first came, you know, started out, we had pop-up stores, which were very temporary. It was for, you know, be an acquisition channel. And then we moved purely to e-commerce, but then realized that it is so expensive um, when you're a startup being pure e-commerce. That's why you see the bonobos of the world or the Warby Parkers of the world that started with online and they opened up if you notice shops Mm -hmm. because it is so much cheaper to acquire a consumer online versus digital because you're paying online for those clicks and you have the you have to pay for them to find you you have to pay for them to just consider you and just to go through that entire journey whereas if someone finds you let's say online through yelp or wherever and then they book an appointment um in person it is much easier to convert them immediately on the spot than just to do it purely through digital. That's why you see so many. Yep. That's why you see so many of these retailers starting to open up these pop-up shops, these online retailers opening up brick and mortar presence because it definitely helps with your keeping your CAC lower. Interesting. Cause I would have totally thought it was the reverse. But yeah, that makes sense from the like having to have an experience and then become a well, like, yeah, take Warby Parker. My fiance and I were walking downtown and he like wears contacts and I'm like, oh, I've heard of this company, but like, let's walk in there. And up until that point, we would have never considered it to get his glasses there until we like walked in and we were able to try them on. Oh, absolutely. And it makes, I mean, if you think about it, when you're online shopping and like maybe it's, um, I had this experience the other day with like um, Nasty Gal. So I went to shop for New Year's dresses and I'm clicking around to different things and I'm just thinking like, wow, like I had to do so much, like there was so much of a process to get into what I wanted because you have to look through what are all the colors and the options online, but also is this going to fit me and looking at the reviews from Mm -hmm. customers to see if there's someone that has written a review that potentially has your body type so there's there's so much and I have this on Amazon all the time where before I you know buy a product I have to look at reviews because if I don't I have no feedback there's no there's no navigating that's why on our website we try to set up as many tools as possible such as our algorithms our online chat having you know our our phone number up there very prevalent so people know that we're here to help through your journey because it is tough navigating online when you're shopping for clothing because until someone creates the opportunity for us to touch fabric through the screen it's you know people are still going to want to touch and feel the product and it says a lot because less than 10 percent of apparel purchases actually happen online so that in-person component is still so important Wow, that I would have thought it was much higher than 10%. So then how do you guys, what is your revenue model? If you don't mind me asking. So we're similar to Nordstrom where we, you know, buy at MSRP and we sell at retail. The only difference with us is, you know, obviously the fit convenience, helping you find that fit fast. And then we provide the free tailoring and then save all your measurements. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I see that. All right. And then how do you guys, How? what's been your plan or what have you seen worked really well when it comes to scaling? So different things. Um, we noticed with, I mean, we started having fit experts probably a year ago, a year and a half ago. And we noticed uh, that works really well in, from a CAC perspective. So if you're an entrepreneur, you are always having to explain CAC to your investors and trying, your investors are always going to push you on making that as cheap as possible. So your customer acquisition costs, the lower you can get it, the better it is. Um, Mm. So we noticed when we added fit experts, it really helps going back to the whole, you know, consumers need to feel confident in what they're purchasing. And so we noticed that, you know, when they do shop with our fit experts, they their average order size that first time is a little higher than when they shop purely online because that in-person human experience makes it makes the consumer more confident. So we understand like, okay, this definitely, we see our fit experts as an acquisition channel more than anything else. Um, and they're wonderful. They make sure that they, they're very knowledgeable about the breadth of product that we have. They're not just trying to sell you on oh, this all looks great on you, you should buy it all. Because for us, yeah. we track returns. Like, we don't want people returning. So if something doesn't look good on you initially, we'll let you know and say, hey, let's try something else. Um, but also in terms of scaling digitally, like we've noticed AdWords works really well for us. Um, we started dabbling in Facebook and some offline initiatives are working really well too. Like obviously, email is awesome. But um, offline, like mailers is they work pretty well, which is kind of interesting because you think, oh, you get mail and you think you want to throw it out. But sometimes now I get so much email that when I get physical mail, which I don't get as much anymore because everyone's emailing. Yeah. Um, it's actually nice and I like opening things. So I kind of understand when we send out mailers and people have a good response to it because how often are you getting physical mail now? Yeah, no, I mean, that that's very true. It like stands out and it's kind of like, ooh, mail, this is fun. Yeah. yeah. How, do, how do you guys then, or what have you noticed for, um, so you acquire your customer and then what are the trends or habits, behaviors of the repeat customer? Do they tend to buy the same jeans again and again because they know that that's what it fits or do they branch out? So there's different things. Um, and men and women are different. So <sighs> we start with men yeah, men and women are completely different. It's kind of funny. So men, we started with right out the gate. And then probably almost nine months ago, we went into women's. Um, so men, the way, at least our customer shops, like he, our whole goal for our customer in general is that we are going to make sure that you understand what brands fit you and across their different fits. So we're only going to recommend brands and fits that fit similarly. So then you can stay within that. Um, we notice a lot of our customers, they either one stay in the same brand and fit because our brands are constantly producing new colors within that fit. So you have so many options anyway, or if they want to try a different brand when they come back, they can use our quick match tool, which helps you get recommendations based on what you currently own. It says, Hey, this will fit just like this. Um, however, men and women, um, men typically love to buy in bulk the same exact color. Oh my God. <laughs> so what? like 
It is actually hilarious. I had one customer call me the other day, and this is like a multi like thousand dollar order. It's it was nuts. He was like, okay, we're going through all the colors on the site. He's like, ooh, I want this color. He's like, give me four of those. Give me six of those, and six like six and four in all the same color, like different colors, but four in one, six in the other. Um, wow. Nuts. We have one one of our investors actually is really funny. He loved a color so much that the brand was discontinuing. So he bought multiples before they discontinued it and then put one in a Ziploc bag, took out all the air, like suctioned it off so it would preserve it longer. <laughs> what the heck? Oh my gosh. So that is so funny. My dad, he. I remember as a kid, he would go to like Sam's Club and just buy the Levi denim and he'd get four pairs of them, the same exact cool. stuff. And he'd just buy them. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. what? But I, interesting. I wonder what it is about that, that the guys would buy in bulk or like what would make men default to that more so than the other. So then how do women behave? Do we buy different colors all the time, different styles, different brands? Yeah. And which I can totally relate to. Like, I was talking to our operations team about this yesterday and I'm like, I just don't understand how our guys can, you know, I mean, to each their own, maybe it's like a uniform. Some of them use it as like a uniform type of thing. Like, yeah. uh, I want to rewear it and not have to worry about washing it. Um, whereas women, we want the difference, like the different styles. We want the breadth of styles that we can choose from, which I totally relate with. Like, I'm okay with, you know, washing something and then, you know, having another option to wear the other day. Because women, I feel like, like, not saying that men don't like to experiment with style, but I feel like women for so long, we've had more options than men that this new wave of men's style has been like more prevalent, I feel, over the last like five to 10 years. Whereas for the longest time, fashion has been kind of owned by women. So we are accustomed to shopping for different styles and trends and such. Yeah, and men can so get away with wearing the same thing over and over oh, yeah. and over. I think there was, um, I don't know if it was Good Morning America. I get them all confused, but I think it was one of the anchors and he wore the same suit jacket for 30 days straight or something like that. And <laughs> no one ever, like you never even noticed, but maybe it's could Maybe it is because women, like we have the ability to have so much style that we also notice it in other women and ourselves. And so we're like, oh my God, no, I can't do that. Like what? So oh, for sure. And like, even think about it. Like, I feel like with women, we're used to asking each other, like, oh, my God, where did you get that? Mm. Whereas men, there's kind of this weird ego thing where I'm not even kidding you. I had a customer. The way he found ZipFit, this is, like, one of my favorite marketing stories. He was at a Benny's grabbing liquor for a party. He saw a guy in these jeans, and he was like, wow, that fit him very well. Instead of going up to this guy, he takes a picture of the tag on his jeans <gasps> Then he Googles it when he gets home, an ad for ZipFit pops up, and then he booked an appointment. And he was like, I want these jeans. Shut up. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Like, that is true. Women are not afraid to ask. Like, that is not no. an ego thing for us. We're like, oh, where'd you get that? How much was it? When did you get it? Thanks. Bye. Exactly. Bye, girl. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great. I'm going to go buy all the rest. Um, That is too funny. So let me ask you like a couple other questions too. This is great because I mean, I've, I was on the website. I was looking, I've heard a zip fit in the past, but I'm like, I still don't get it. Like, why would people, why would people like, what, what is it? The big thing about a fit. And now like, I get it now, which this is so mm -hmm. cool. 
And so then you guys, you guys hold all your inventory. So that's the other thing. We only stock samples. We work directly. And this is what our investors love because then you don't have to retail. Oh my God. Retail is, it's kind of viewed as like similar to restaurants, um, to investors at least because there's such a high like risk with overhead because there's so much you have to invest in. And that's where we want to approach it a little differently. So instead of stocking on the inventory, we stock samples for, let's say if we have an appointment come in, they can try on the sample, but then we take them to our website and say, Hey, here are all the colors we can get you. And we work directly with all of our brands and they just ship us the product that they want. So we're ordering in real time versus stocking up on inventory. Oh, that's so nice. And you don't have to spend that money. Like, and yeah, exactly. You get, what do they call it? Working capital, something like that. I long ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then, okay, now let's get to kind of Alex and what you do. Like, how do you schedule your day to day or what have you learned about being an entrepreneur in the like past five years from like zero years to now you have five years? Like, what's the biggest thing that you've learned? Oh my God. Oh my God. I've learned so much. It's like when you're an entrepreneur, I feel like five years feels like 50. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I bet. um, I think something that has really resonated the most with me this year, as I reflected back is we celebrated our five year anniversary in June. And I kind of was like stepping back to reflect on like, Oh, like this is surreal because we have like people and a team and like, we're growing and it's it's awesome and we're on this high but one thing that I really had to learn along the way was valuing my time Mm -hmm. um and as entrepreneurs I feel like we wear so many hats so we kind of just are always on the go and running and running and we're like you know energizer bunnies but it can really deplete you at some point and I noticed like over time, there would be moments where I would just feel this depletion and energy. Like I have so much on my plate right now. And like, you know, maybe I'm like having all these to do's. I'm not getting to them. And I remember going to one of my um, mentors who's been in finance for the last 40 years. And he's so awesome. And like, he just gets shit on, which I totally admire. I'm like, how do you do this? And he was just asking, what did my day to day look like? And I told him like, well, I'm doing this and that and emails. And he was like, wait stop at the emails. And I'm like, he was like, well, how often are you checking emails? And I'm like, oh, throughout the day, he was like, let me tell you one thing. He was like, emails are other people's agendas. If they really want to talk to you, they're going to call you. And that was such a game changer for me because I literally only checked my emails maybe two, four times a day tops because I do it in like increments. So like, um, whenever you stop what you're doing, like let's say you're working on a marketing campaign and you check an email, it takes you 15 minutes just to refocus back again on what you were doing before. Oh. And I noticed when I would like get off, you know, and off track what I was doing and going to an email, I noticed like how hard it was to get back in my groove. So that was such a game changer for me so sometimes people are like oh my god I haven't heard from you and so and so like this long and I'm like hey it's really urgent please call me because I only check my emails x amount of times a day if I know I have something coming up I'll like look out for someone like okay like I have she did her way podcast today let me make sure I'm responding to Amanda accordingly but other than that like I try to stay hyper focused on what I'm doing but even beyond that just like 
turning off. Like sometimes I think we get so used to feeling busy so that when we don't feel that sense, we're like, mm. I'm not doing enough. I'm it's just like a not. Fix. <laughs> it's such a fit. It's like coffee. It's like, oh my God, I need to be doing this and that. And even when you're doing like little menial tasks, it feels like you're doing something, but you really didn't. So like it's so important. Like at our at our company, we very we very much so value like taking vacation. We push people to take vacation. We tell people like, okay, you're working too many hours. You need to stop and get out. Like go Netflix and chill or do something. Else. Yeah. Like, go watch like, ladies of London. Come on. Exactly. God, that exactly. is such a guilty pleasure. Oh my God. Like anytime you awesome. want to zone the F out, I'm like ladies of London. I mean, my, my life is most part pretty drama free. So I'm like, I can watch some other people's. Oh, I love that. No, that yes. is such good advice though, too. How did you, how do you discipline yourself, especially having email on your phone? Do you just not check it? I, I just don't when, especially when I, I'm like working, whether in the office or remotely, I try to keep my phone away from me. Um, but if it, if it, I'll keep my like buzzer on. So like I can see if someone's calling because those are urgent to me. Like phone calls are more urgent Then I'm like, okay, someone really needs me. But for the most part, if you think about it, like the emails you respond to on a daily basis, how many of them are that urgent? Right. Probably not. They really are. Like they can, you can wait a couple hours to respond to someone, but if it's super urgent, people will pick up the phone and call you. Ooh, I lo- I really really like that, and that's definitely something to like keep practicing. What um, what is something that you? What's the next thing you're gonna outsource because you hate doing it? Oh, and it maybe next. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Next level of me not checking emails, like a virtual assistant that can just go through all my emails for me. Oh. Probably that. And I noticed some of my other friends who are entrepreneurs starting to get these virtual assistants, like just to set up coffee with one of my friends who's like super fancy now. He like CC'd his virtual assistant on there. Like, hey, his name was like Josh. Hey, Josh, can you schedule this? And I like texted him. I'm like, oh, so you have to schedule in our cocktails now. Okay. Like, I see <laughs> I how this is going. <laughs> but I totally get it. I totally yeah. get it. I have I have a virtual assistant. His or her name is called Calendly right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I try to be super disciplined and like only do like on Thursdays is the day out of the office. So if people want to meet up, I'm like, all right, great. Here's the Calendly link. I'll see you at this place. I'm practicing, but it's not fully implemented In yet there. at this point. But you know, it's like if you don't respect your time, then who the heck else will? And will. it's your time. It's your life. You got to be like, I mean. I used to get offended or like feel slighted when people are like, hey, no, sorry. And I'm like, oh, shucks. And now I'm like, no, go them, man. They got to like their schedules, their schedule. Like do your thing. They, yeah. They got to protect it. So, OK, a couple yeah. last questions. One For is sure. uh, what is your favorite book that you've read that's really inspiring or that you're just like, yes, you have to read this? So I would say like I have two, which are two different things. So Leadership Dojo is like one of my all time for leadership. Like mm. Because it's, and it's something that I still have to work on. Um, it, it approaches leadership from not the like, 
like I, I'm not sure if anyone else has had this experience, but when I was coming up as an entrepreneur, like first coming out of the gate of college, I was like, okay, like I would read Inc. and Entrepreneur Magazine and they would have these articles on like the seven things successful people do on a daily basis. And it was like, wake up at 4 a.m., go to the gym every day. And I'm just like, first of all, I'm not waking up at 4 a.m. That's not happening. Two, like I sometimes I can't make it to the gym every day. And I would find myself like, because there were these rigid, like seven steps or whatever steps saying, this is what you have to do to be successful. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm doing this all wrong. But then I read this book and it was super life-changing because it approached leadership from a very universal way. It was more so like tapping into like the emotional part of you and tailoring mm-hmm. it to you. Or these are things you can do like, like, keeping like mind and body together and it's something that wasn't a step-by-step like this is what everyone like these are like little tactics you can do is more from a generalized perspective that can be I feel like it can be applicable to anyone's life um based on who you are um my second one is assholes which I love and I feel like it's very relevant today but also what is uh, assholes about it's a theory on assholes and asshole management, which I absolutely love. Um, it's especially as a female entrepreneur in the tech space, we've had to deal with. I mean, we have one of our founders is a guy, but like Liz and I, who's my other co-founder, like she and I for a, a long time were doing the fundraising and, and we're doing a lot of the speaking events and the um, the face-to-face interactions. And there's so many people that are assholes along the way, especially to female entrepreneurs. And sometimes I feel like they don't really necessarily understand it or know that they're being one. It's just that we're kind of the other to them. So they don't know how to act. Oh my <laughs> so God. That's so true. And so funny. Yeah. So it's, like, it's kind of I don't awesome. know how to handle you, you female, you like, I literally, yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I feel like half the time that what might be, some might take in as like, oh my gosh, that's a male hating against a female is really the fact like they just don't know. They don't know. They Sometimes don't know. they don't. And there are some outward assholes, but then there are just some like oblivious assholes because they don't know better. Yeah. So this book teaches you how to deal, recognize recognize and then how to handle them without like getting offended because sometimes it's just like you know what I'm not spending my time and energy being offended by someone that's obviously oblivious or you're just outwardly an asshole it's like I'm not even gonna entertain this however I can approach it from this perspective so that's why I love this book and it's also just entertaining so that is hilarious do you remember the author it is I I'm awful with that. Let me that's look it up. A, no, that that's okay. We'll uh we'll tag it. I just didn't know if it was like an author that has written like a few other books or something like that too. But that is hilarious. I think it's like some. It's um Aaron James. He's okay. um I think he's like a Harvard professor or Princeton, one of those schools. But it's definitely a must read. I love it. That is a riot. Okay. Too funny. All right. Last question is if your life had a movie title and it could be made up or something that's already um, in existence, what would it be? I make asses great for a living. <laughs> Dude, I make asses look great for a living. Like, I, that's like clickbait. We're going to, that's going to be the title of the show. Actually, I don't know. Maybe it will be. That would be funny if it was. <laughs> With Alex Batdorf, like, I make asses great for a living. No, seriously, though, that's awesome. And I, like, 
I'm going to swing in. I know you guys have one in the in the West Loop in Chicago, and I need to get fitted for jeans. So I'm going to have to swing in sometimes. So thank you so much. I appreciate you like giving your time and, and flexibility and everything too, Alex. Of course. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and stay warm. My goodness. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out SheDidItHerWayPodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week. Thank you.